Hebrew Bible class, session 11, the Hebrew Bible as a mosaic. So in this in this class, we took a look at uh, we actually took a look at the Book of Ruth and how it uh, how it ties into several places. So in in the modern Western Bible, we have uh, the Book of Judges, and then we have Ruth, and then we have Samuel. But in the Hebrew Bible. Um, it goes Judges, and then Samuel, and then Ruth is later in the other writings. And so, um, we take a look at the, the beginning and end, and the, the links between these things, and we see some interesting things. So, in, um, in Ruth 1, um, it starts off with, in the days of the Judges, there was a famine. It could have just started off by itself just as a there was a famine in the land or there once was a man or uh, it, a, a number of different ways but it starts off with in the days of the judges which which gives us some context um, the judges has um, a few different sections as the kind of introductory section has seven bad judges kind of spiraling worse and worse and then it's got at the end, chapters uh, 17 through 21, uh, two or three stories of just some chaotic, weird, terrible stuff that people did because they had no king. And the same phrase is repeated over and over. Um, they had no king. They all did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And that links right into the beginning of Samuel, which then is the introduction of their, uh, their first king. And then their second king. David, and um, and so it ties uh, the uh, judges ties right into there. But then you've got Ruth tying into there too. Um, what's interesting is that the story is very much a, a single trajectory of like it's going worse and worse and worse and worse, um, and there's not there's not a lot of good stuff happening. And then in Samuel, they get a king, and things got a little bit better, a little bit worse, and then with David, they get much better for a while, and then they start to get worse again. There's not a lot of uh, of hope happening, and and Ruth is like the the alternate story that ties in because it actually starts off with in the days of the judges, which is right where Judges ends, which should bring up all of the like. In the days of the judges, there was no king. Everyone did what they thought was right. We've got, you know, weird story of this guy stealing money from his mom, and then uh, he confesses and she blesses him, and then he makes an idol, becomes a pagan priest, and then he's kidnapped to be someone else's pagan priest. We've got hundreds of women kidnapped and raped so that the tribe doesn't die off. Like, just a bunch of crazy stuff that people just did because they thought it was right in their own eyes. And it, it, it's chaos. And then you've got this story of Ruth taking place, and it's a story of um, redemption and faithfulness, and uh, and people working hard and doing the right thing, even when society wasn't didn't think that it was right, and and they were proved right. And in the beginning, it says in, in you know, the time of the judges, which brings up all of that, the bad stuff, the story of faithfulness of Ruth, who was from outside of Israel. And then at the end of it, 
it actually gives a lineage that leads straight to David. And so it actually ties right into Samuel. And so it's like this alternate arc. And, and, and so we're talking about how the Hebrew Bible is a mosaic and how it's, um, it's not just a linear story. It's, it's got these overlaps that, that tell from a different perspective or they, uh, they tie it in a different way. What's really cool is it has a phrase in there describing Ruth. I'm actually just talking. I'm not actually going to throw my notes. Um, oh, um, sorry. Before I get into the next section, uh, there's a really cool side note in Judges 18, um, verse 30. Um, the the people of Dan, they got Moses's grandson to be their priest until. Um, See, until the captivity of the land, which actually happened in 722 BC, so 300 years later. And so this is like, well, we know this is somebody who wrote it after all of this stuff took place. So either it was written and then this note was added after the fact, or all of this was written while they were in exile or beyond. It's a reflection back uh, on, on them in exile. So we were talking about how we need to be learning how to, how to hear the voice of what's happening in the story and then what the narrator is saying as well because we've got these layers of depth of authorship. So, um, so all right, back to Ruth. So um, in Ruth 3.11, uh, Boaz calls her a woman of valor or a woman of excellence. And that phrase is only used one other place in the Hebrew Bible, and that is in uh, Proverbs 31, which is a, um, a proverb that King Lemuel wrote that was passed down to him by his mother about an, a woman of excellence and what that looks like. And, and it's, got, it, it, it's just a, it's a beautiful chapter describing this woman of excellence, which seems to be if you look at it in light of that, that quote, I mean, if there's only two places in the Bible that use that phrase, then they're, they are tied. That's how, that's how these links work. Um, <clears throat> and so, so we take a look at those two comparisons and we say Ruth is, is the embodiment of this woman of valor, this woman of excellence that's in Pro Proverbs 31. And then you look at, well, there's another woman in Proverbs that's described as excellent and worthy and um, and, of, and of valor um, and that is in in the beginning of Proverbs there's a whole first section talking about Lady Wisdom and uh, and her voice and um, and so Proverbs is bookended beginning and end with um, a woman of excellence this Lady Wisdom and then describing a, a Lady of Wisdom specifically a, lady, a, a woman of valor and then um, and then we have Ruth that's described and told this whole story of this faithful woman in the middle of these chaotic um, these chaotic times where people are just doing whatever they think is right and there's just all this chaotic weird terrible stuff going on and so all three of those are just tied together and it's uh, and, and there are more links those are the those are the links that we took a look at today and uh, this is why this is a quote this is why the Ketorim is so cool because 
They're like little mini commentaries on the themes and ideas that work elsewhere inside the collection. Uh, and then he went and talked about a family quilt built from pieces of material from his mother and grandmother tied together. And, um, and they're put in different places with different contexts around them. And so there's these layers of depths of context in each one, but each one is its own um, history and its own unique work. I don't have a family quilt that's passed down from generation to generation, so I didn't quite click with that analogy the same that some others might. Um, yeah. So, I thought it was really neat. Um, the, the question at the end was, you've seen how the book of Ruth is hyperlinked to Judges, Samuel, and Proverbs. This happens all throughout the Hebrew Bible. Do you think that seeing these hyperlinks is necessary for understanding the meaning of a passage or a book? Explain your reasoning. Um, so the, um, the, the links for, from Ruth into Judges and Samuel, they make sense because that's where it is in, in the story. It's like an alternate side story. Um, linking, to the, linking to a hope in the middle of a downward spiraling nation. I was surprised to see the strong links to Proverbs, though, and I need to spend more time in there. I didn't. I, I mean, I need to go through and just read through those myself um, more, and just studying what those are and how they link to Ruth, because I never made those connections. Um, do I think it's necessary for understanding the meaning of a passage or the book? No, I, I think you can read through the Bible and you can get um, you can get an understanding at a high level of what's going on and how how the story points to this future hope in Jesus um, without seeing all of these hyperlinks. Do they help? Yeah. Um, as we as we dedicate ourselves to studying scripture and um, and learning more and more about this awesome God and um, and this word that he has for us, I think that that being faithful, dedicated learners is it's important. It's important to see these connections between the books, between the themes, um, and I, I certainly appreciate it. Um, but as but we need to be building a deeper understanding and appreciation for the Bible, and and so yes, I think it is it is good. Is it necessary? Is it necessary? So that then there's a question: Is it necessary to fully understand? Um, and in that case, yes. But there are a lot of other things as well that I don't understand fully. And do I, am I going to get to a place in my lifetime where I fully understand everything that the Bible is saying and doing and, and all of the nuances of connection? I doubt it. Because um, I started deeply studying this much later in life and I didn't start off with Hebrew and Greek. Um, and I didn't start off with the cultural context, and so I'm going to be miss, I'm going to miss things, and that that sets me up for an entire lifetime of, of exciting discoveries of layers of depth to this amazing God, and this amazing uh, collection mosaic of books that He has put together by His Spirit, and that's really exciting. 